that's kind of he- heavy passage, you know. I think Second uh, uh, Peter, this is uh, Peter's second letter, and this was the last chapter, uh, technically, officially, his last words that we have on record. And he talks about some heavy things, some things that maybe on a happy day you're not like, I don't want to read that, I don't want to know that. But he says he need, he, he's, he's uh, stressing the importance of being reminded of this truth about the last days. So let's look at this passage in a little more detail. He says, he begins the letter by saying, above all the things I could share with you. I mean, he talked about, uh, you know, how to be saved, what Christ is, who you are, your holy nation. And all of this, remember this, that he's talking about that there's going to come in the last days scoffers who say, in verse 4, where is this coming you promised? This was a big struggle for the church for a long time. Because they've been saying Jesus is coming back soon, but it didn't happen for 10 years, 20 years, 100 years, 200 years, 300, 400, 500, 600,000, eventually 2022, well, 2017 discount, whatever. But anyways, the, the question is then when is his coming going to come? There is a reason why this is that Paul, like, uh, Peter explains in this passage. Before we go there, let's talk about what the people, the way they're, the, the, what Peter is saying to be careful not to become. Because if we're not careful, we join in their saying, everything's going fine. Have you noticed maybe in people, in, especially in your own life, that sometimes when bad things happen, it awakes you, right? When, when trouble happens, you come to your senses, all of your, you know, uh, 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 you know, lack of character, all of your, you know, being lazy, suddenly you have to let it go and you have to deal with a crisis. But then just as soon as that happens, when the relief comes and it's comfortable again, you go right back to what it was and it's almost like we never learned from our lessons. For example, like in Itaewon, you know, there was a crazy tragedy. Like I hope that never, ever happens again. But the reality is people who are suffering and crying right now, I hope they have learned a lesson. I hope the whole nation, I hope the whole, you know, when, when I was looking at that this week, I was thinking, where was the church, right? Like, you know, these people running into these things. Honestly, Halloween has nothing redeemable about it. There's nothing that you should be like, oh, Halloween is so honorable. Let's go and spend our time there. It's something that more and more we should be saying, maybe we should not actively engage in it, right? But anyhow, the people who witnessed this tragedy, who witnessed this thing as they were on their way to have pleasure and have fun, they saw this crisis. Well, it's not everybody, but there are definitely going to be people in there who are going to be going back. You think people who experience this, are, are they going to go back to the Halloween party? I'm sure Itaewon next year is going to have another Halloween party. Right? Or people, we don't have to maybe wait another year. People who experience this are going to be looking for the next party. Just after the, you know, they said like what, two weeks of mourning for these people. But it's almost like people, we never change. We're just situations just, you know, uh, move us and then we just lose our way as soon as we're back to comfort again. Because that's what people have been saying all these years. They're saying, what Jesus said about him coming back and judging the earth, it's not going to happen. Live your life the best that you can, have the most fun you can, because his return with the fire and all that, that's not going to happen. You're okay, I'm okay, we're okay. 
Because it says here, what Peter is saying is that they are deliberately, they're intentionally trying to forget the fact. Yes, he talks about two things. He talks about the flood, that there was a time when God in his wrath, when he saw the violence in the man's heart. It says that the scripture says the people's hearts that God created when was detached, when was separated from God, became wicked and continually wicked, that there was nothing but violence. Where something like Itaewon wasn't just a, it wasn't just a happenstance. It was something that people did on purpose, killing each other, killing one another. And God was so angry with the violence and the wickedness of man's heart. He says, that's enough. And he wiped it clean. But it's the very same God who has promised, it says here, verse 7, by that same word, the present heavens and the earth, all that you know, it's reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. As long as there is sin, as long as there are people who are right now going against the will of God, hurting people, destroying others, lying, killing, stealing, destroying, and cursing God, as long as that exists, judgment will come on the earth. And this time it will be a perfect and final and absolute judgment, including Satan. But first, Satan and all of his rebellious angels, they're going down first, and everyone who has not repented and have nothing but are slaves of them, are going to follow them into the same destruction. But here is what Peter wants us to focus on as we know this reality is coming. He says this, but do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. Verse 9, this is, I think, one of the most important verses for us to focus as we think about what, what, why the Lord's coming is not here yet. Peter explains this. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. What Peter is saying, it's not the Lord promised something and he's not able to bring it to pass. It's not like, oh, I, it's not, God's not in heaven saying, gosh, I want to bring judgment to the ungodly and all the sin. And I just want to wipe out all the violence of mankind again. And this time for good, I just can't do it. Or he's too busy or distracted. This is the reason why still right now his coming has not come back and the judgment of God is held back. Right now we're living in a time of grace and favor where anyone can turn from their ungodliness. Anyone can break their ties with the dark and everyone can repent, change their life and begin to live for Jesus Christ. But he says this, instead he is patient with you. Not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. This is the heart of the Father. You know, when you think about this judgment, right, sometimes you think, oh my gosh, God, why are you so uptight? Why are you so evil? But many times we have to realize and reflect our own self and realize our own humanity, how powerfully wicked we are, how disgustingly Dirty human nature, sinful nature is operating in our lives. And in social media, sometimes does that these days a little better than before. When something horrible has happened, you see it immediately. And and many people have become more discouraged and more uh, disappointed about life because they see the fullness. They see more of our sinful nature. But uh, let me tell you, what we see on social media is just a scratch of the full extent of this horrible thing called sinful nature. But why is God... Not coming to judge that yet is because he's patient, wanting everyone to have an opportunity to repent. This is the will of God. 
This is the heart of God. This is why he hasn't come back yet. It's been 2,000 years since he said he will. It's because I highlight here, he's not wanting anyone to perish. Or another translation says it, I like it that way. The title of the message is, so that none should perish. God's desire is not that anyone perish in such a way. What does the word perish mean? It's a very powerful word. It means destroyed utterly, to be destroyed violently, entirely cut off. That's what's going to happen to the ungodly because that is what God is going to do to the one who is responsible for starting this ungodliness, Satan and his powers. And his tactic is lies. And whoever gave into his lies and live according to his will instead of our Father and the goodness of God, that is going to become utterly destroyed and violently. But he's saying, I'm giving the whole world, I'm giving each person an opportunity before that becomes your destiny that you would repent. And then... So this is the will that Peter is reminding us is to don't join the world in thinking, hey, everything's going to be okay. Because the reality is without Christ, it is not okay. Nothing is okay. But the reason why God is letting, letting you still, letting the wicked still live in a wicked way right now is because God is saying, I am patient with you. I am waiting for the opportunity for you to repent because I don't want you to perish. But time is ticking, right? That's why Peter reminds us, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief. He's quoting Jesus Christ. This is a man who spent three years, day after day, with Jesus. These things he's sharing are not his own ideas. They're things that Jesus taught him and lived out in his life. And, and he's saying the day of the Lord will come like a thief, a time that when nobody's thinking Jesus is going to come back, the, 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 the judgment is going to be many, many years later. So we thought, right? The heavens will disappear with a roar and the elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. And here's the question. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? That's the main point of Peter, the leader of the church, one of the leaders of the church, for the people that he loves and the people that God loves is saying, in the light of this reality, what kind of people ought you to be? You can be the kind of people who say, nah, God's judgment, life is good. Just hang loose, you know. Um, no need to stress. Yeah, just, just go easy. Just, just enjoy life, you know. Just have, have, you know, God is good. God is good, yeah. Or you can do, live a different way that God wants us to live in this way. So again, you can ignore it, forget about it. Don't talk about the judgment of God. That's just so crazy, you know. Or we can be ready for it. And more than that, we can get people ready for it so that when that time comes, it's not a sad reality, but it's a celebration of God destroying wickedness once and for all. That God is for once and for all eradicating every pain in humanity. Every destruction, every vile act, every wickedness, every sorrowful thing, God would say, it is finished. Ultimate victory. No more evil. No more lying. No more separation, division. No more killing. That can be a joyful moment. So here it is in our passage. He gives us three things that we have to do. Number one, he says in verse, verse uh, Verse 
11, right after he asked the question, what should we do in light of this reality? He says, you ought to live holy and godly lives. Turn to the person next to you and say, let's live holy and godly lives. What does that mean? That sounds so crazy. Holy and godly lives. Well, first of all, the key word is, is live, okay? He wants you to live because many people, in light of the judgment, what they did was they withdrew from society. And they bunkered down and said, the judgment is coming, so everyone hide. No, no, no. Jesus wants you to live in the world. Go in the world, but live a different life. Holy simply means set apart. Live a life that's different. Everyone that has sinned, we're no longer of those people. We're of a different DNA. When people are being stingy, when people are being jealous, we're being generous. When people are being unforgiving and bitter, we're the ones who are being loving and serving. Live a different life. What kind of life? A godly life. A life that looks like Jesus Christ. Go into a world that is forgetting Jesus' return. They, they, they are living a perfect life in their mind. They're rebuilding their kingdoms. Go in there and be different. Become like Jesus in that place. Serving his will. Because that's one of the ways, again, that the key is this, so that none should perish. Always keep that in mind. The Lord, it's the only reason the judgment hasn't come today is because he's patient. He's willing that until now, until that moment, he wants everyone, that none should perish and that everyone would come to repentance. That's why I'm living a holy and godly life. I want the world to know there is a God who loves them and who wants to save them from the coming destruction that is against evil. Living holy and godly life, a life more like Jesus Christ. This is something you all know, but sometimes we need a reminder to live such a life. Because sometimes that life is hard and difficult unless we live it together. Second thing he says is this. What shall we do in the light of this judgment that is being held back by the patience and love of God for all mankind? He says, as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. Two things. Maybe I should have put it separately. But it says, look forward to the day of God. It means this, you must focus. You've heard Jesus said it, seek first the kingdom of God. Because Jesus is saying, I don't want anyone you know to perish. I want everyone to come to repentance. And the only way it's going to happen is you living in my name, full of my power, you focus on the kingdom to come. Your orders are not from anyone but from the king of heaven. And it says to speed its coming. Did you know that that day can come faster? And the only reason that day can come faster is why? Because more people are repenting faster than now. What that really means is that you, you can speed its coming, but you can also delay its coming. Church of God, people of God, listen, we have the full responsibility. We're the only ones in this world who can impact their salvation. We're the most important people as Christians. And the thing is this, we can actually make God's judgment Delay because we're not doing our job. We're, in fact, instead of living holy and godly lives, we're living worldly lives. We're just living for money. We're just entertainment. We're just soaked with the perversion of the world. We're just living just like them. And what, what, what was happening is people are now repenting. God is saying, and be more patient, more patient, more patient. And while that's happening, people are getting more evil, more wars, more pandemics, more inflation is happening. The world's going to go crazier and crazier. Or we can say, let's wake up, people, focus on the coming of the Lord, and let's speed its coming. Let's do our job. 
Let's help that none should perish. Let's help everyone come to repentance. To speed its coming means to hasten, to urge. And I realized this as I was thinking about this. You know, this is not something that, that's, that means that, you know, uh, perhaps the day of the Lord is already set. But what it means is that we have the opportunity. God has given us the power to, ex- to give people the experience of salvation and the deliverance from evil right now before having to experience it at the end. It means that everyone in their situation, we are able to bring the kingdom of God now. Because see, the truth is this, for everyone, the coming of the Lord is the same. It's when you die. Whether you die at 10, 12, or 30, or 120, the day of the Lord for you is the moment you stop breathing. And so in your short lifetime that you have, you don't have a lot of time for you to have this uh, experience of God coming into your life and living a different kind of life. So finally, he says this, that they will bring about the destruction of the heavenly uh, heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. But in, keep, but in keeping with his promise, we're looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. For us as Christians, we're already living in this new reality. That's why Jesus taught us to pray, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When was the last time? You were praying that and you were, you were deliberately living into that reality, focusing on that truth and living in such a way that people around you began to repent. People around you were changed and touched. So here is his final uh, uh, reminder and charge to the people of God. He says, so then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, Make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation. So CUMC, today is our 100, we've been in existence for 119 years. And uh, it's great, but that's in the past. And every time this kind of things happen, we get a moment to say, what is our legacy? Did Christ UMC hasten his coming or do we delay do we postpone do we hinder the coming of the lord have we become people who with the heart of god said you know we want no one to perish and therefore we will live holy and godly lives or have we forgotten that and have we simply focused on how to become more important in the world more uh I don't know, more comfortable in this worldly situation. I hope that our church, from God's view, is that, yes, God is pleased. I hope that CUMC is one of God's, uh, you know, whenever he thinks about his, his bride, the different parts of the body of Christ, he's like, man, CUMC, I'm just so excited for CUMC and what they're doing because they have my heart. I don't want anyone to perish, so that's why I'm delaying this this, I'm, letting, I'm even letting this horrible global catastrophe to happen because if the church can wake up and say, God, in the midst of this, we'll live in that place in a different life so that everyone can come to repentance of you. That's the reason why God is waiting for people to be saved. I don't know about you guys, but that's why for me, I'm more excited about not just what happened in the 119 years, but what we're going to do from 120 and forward. And the truth is, um, there is something I believe that the Lord is wanting us to do differently as a church. 
and as, as I mentioned to you guys uh, last couple weeks ago, okay, good, this is the right slide. I kind of edited our, our church's vision to read like this. Uh, let's, let's all read this together. Okay, Christ United Methodist Church seeks to become a community where everyone makes disciple makers of Jesus Christ in Hawaii and beyond. You know, something I realized is this, that uh, I think most people, uh, what they seek to do is, I want to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. I think all of you guys at one point, thank God you guys are here and not lost in the world, right? Thank God that you guys are somewhat people who said, you know what, God, I know I need you. I want to be a Christian. I want to be changed. But then that's not the whole reason why we came to know Jesus Christ. Because why? In God's mind, he's very clear. What he's concerned right now is that none should perish. I'm really glad that I'm not going to perish. I'm really glad that all of you guys are probably not going to perish. But God's heart is saying, but what about the others who have not yet repented? In fact, this is the, this is the, this is the conclusion I came to uh, in, my, in my mind. This idea that God's heart right now is that none should perish is such an important part. It's what, how would I say? I'm realizing that for us to be the church, for us to be the body of Christ, this has to be in our DNA from A to Z. As a church, if we at any point lost our importance or lost our, our meaning for existence to become people who help God answer his desire that none should perish, we have fallen short of our goal. What it means is this, as a church, as a pastor, I have to reflect on myself. In my walk with Christ, what is my focus? If my focus is not to help that none should perish and that everyone to come to repentance, then I have lost the reason for being. It's like I'm like a church that's slowly diminishing, slowly dying. I'm like a, the Bible says if a branch that's connected to Jesus does not bear fruit, what does he do with it? He cuts it off, throws it into the fire so the energy that was coming to there could be towards the branches that are bearing fruit. And I can't escape it, but the more you read the scripture, the more you get to know who God is, you realize right now all that he's focusing on is that everyone come to know him. And I realize that as a Christian, as a disciple, I realize that I can be a selfish disciple that only thinks about how can I make it? How can I be blessed? How can I be comfortable? How can I be uh, encouraged by the pastor? How can I be helped by the church? When the whole point of why God delivered us is that we can focus on those who are not here yet. You guys know the parable that Jesus gave that, ex that, that reveals this heart of God. Uh, when, when he talks about the good shepherd, uh, 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 the good shepherd who is Jesus Christ, he says that even though he has 99 of his sheep in the pen, which is a lot, right? If even just one is lost, he leaves the 99 because why? You're already in. You're already blessed. And he says, I'll go and find the one that's lost. And the Bible says even when one sinner repents, all of heaven rejoices more for that one sinner who repented than for all the saints who are already saints. Again, because Christ wants to come back. He wants this world to end. Why? Because this world cannot live, cannot, be, cannot do anything good. But if you, if you notice, everything that humankind touches, that we let humankind do without the fear of God, goes 
to hell, goes to destruction. Somebody gets killed. Somebody dies. Something happens. It's like destruction gives birth destruction. But Jesus is saying, I want it to end. But I can't do it because my children, who I love, are still lost. My children, they're still captive. My children are still blind and deaf and they're lepers and they're, they're control, oppressed by the de demons. And so Jesus is looking at the church and saying, does anybody have my heart that none should perish? Does anybody have my heart that everyone would repent? And when I thought about that, I was, I'm not going to say ashamed, but I realized, God, it's time for change. And so that's where I came up this, with this idea that every Christian, your job is not to be a disciple. Your job is to make disciples. You know, uh, I'm going to give you guys an illustration. But before I do that, can you guys think about when Jesus first made his disciples, the first disciples were Matthew, uh, sorry, were Peter, Andrew, and John. And do you guys remember the first thing he said when he first set out to say, you know what, I'm going to make disciples. Because the will of God is this. Jesus, he did his work. Jesus, we don't need you on the earth anymore. Because now that you've finished, you're going to make your disciples, your children to take over. In fact, Jesus said this. At one point he says, I am the light of the world. But as he was leaving the earth, he says, bye guys, I'm, I'm gone. Now you are the light of the world. It's like every power that's been given to me, I'm giving it to you, church. So you can do the work. Who's going to hasten the coming of the Lord? Us, the church. But then I realized, then, then Jesus, show me this. Show me that this is not just Peter's idea, that this is what you wanted since the beginning. And when Jesus went after his first disciples, do you guys remember what he said to, to them, to Peter and Andrew and John? What were they doing? They were fishermen, right? And he says to them, Peter and James and John, come follow me and I'll make you fisher of men. Not I'll make you blessed. Not I'll save you. Not I will, I will encourage you, I will comfort you, I'll make you great. That's part of it. That's part of the, the uh, how do I say, the, the effect of just being near God. You will be blessed, you'll be encouraged. But it says, the reason I'm making you a disciple is so that you can make sure none perish, that everyone come to repentance. To, make, to become a fisher of men. And then what's the last thing Jesus said as he was leaving to the very disciples? He said this, therefore now... All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, I charge you, go and be a disciple, right? Go and be part of a church. Just go and seek blessing of God. Go and pray. No, no, he says, go and make disciples. The same way I loved you, do it. This idea that none should perish but come to repentance can only happen when Christians begin to live in that mentality God has called me to make disciples, and that's the only way these people will be saved. It sounds daunting, and, you know, in fact, many, many times, especially these days, as I'm, I'm really in a period of uh, repenting and, and a uh, period of renewing my mind, uh, and, and the Lord, like I explained last time, uh, he does that with the circumstances in your life. He is really proving me wrong. I feel like Peter. I feel like I was so excited, so passionate, but I was so wrong in so many ways. But then the Lord, as he's helping me to see it, I, I'm realizing, then God, what is the role of the church? And that's when I realized I feel like this. What, what is this, guys? It's just the one strand of thread. Can you go fishing with this? Can I, can I uh, be a fisher with this one strand? And, and the technical answer is, yeah, you could put like a bait in there. 
But just with the, 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 the strand, I cannot be. I am just one part of the body of Christ. And this is where I realize this is what God is calling us today. As I help us understand the new vision God has for our church going forward, I hope that this illustration will help you understand. Because when Jesus Christ, he left the mission that none should perish to the church, he didn't leave it to one person. He left it to the body of Christ. Now, this is what the body of Christ looks like. Now that, you can go fishing with, amen? You could probably catch any fish in the world with that. And that amazing net that saves people, that destroys, that, that literally takes people out of the judgment of God so they can come into the favor of God, just like you and I already experienced. And this beautiful work of God, this net of salvation that God wants you to be by making, when I say you're making a disciple, you make, that's another word for salvation. Because if that person does not follow Christ, they're not saved, right? You could start out, right? You could, you could, you could have been saved, but then you have the freedom to, to walk back into the water or you can walk into a newness of life. Following salvation is not something determined right now or in the past. It's determined every day, every moment of your life. So anyways, going back to this point that we are, that when Jesus left this mission that none should perish, he gave it to the church. And this great net is, is, is by little strands like me who feel like, oh my gosh, what can I do? And I realize I can't do anything. I'm just one strand. But something miraculous happens when strands come together. Two or three, the Bible says one can take a 1,000, but two people coming together can take 10,000. There's an exponential power, and that's what makes the church so beautiful. I mean, look at this guy. This is Jesus so happy that his net is so big, that his net is so healthy, right? And look at them. Look, this is the picture of the church. They're going fishing. They know why they exist. I'm a net. I am, I am created by God to help people be delivered from the powers of hell. I am called to that. We are called to that together. Friends, so as we think about our church and our mission, today I want to help us to uh, take a step forward in becoming part of this net that the Lord has prepared for us. I'm wondering if this, uh, yes, I get there. So so, to, so again, just a recap. When we talk about disciple, I've been talking about the last four weeks, talking about the importance of what faith is, that faith is the only thing that we can connect with God. If you want to see people saved, right, you cannot do it on your own strength. I'm sorry. I don't care how how nice you are, how good looking you are. I don't care how good you're to somebody, your goodness it's just not going to deliver them from Satan's power or, or, the, or the coming judgment. The only thing is you in faith, living by faith, which means by hearing and obeying. As a disciple of Christ, Jesus was very clear. When you make disciples, make sure those disciples are baptized and they learn how to obey everything I say. If you have not been learning or growing in obedience to God, listening and hearing, you have lost touch with, with, with a becoming a disciple of Jesus Christ. But this is where I want us to take the next step, right? Because I think all of us agree, I, Pastor, I want to live by faith. I want to hear God. I want to obey God. I want to do great things. But this is where we need to understand the reason why God called them to be discipled was very simple. So that none should perish, but that everyone becomes disciples of Jesus Christ. This is the calling of God for our church 
And this is what the Lord wants us to focus. So it's very simple. Going forward from this, this, you know, celebrating this culmination, we give glory to God for all that he has done. And you know what? He is the kind of God that takes imperfect, sinful people like us, a, a broken and dysfunctional community like Christ UMC, and he still gets the glory. Amen? He has done amazing things through our past, but in order for the future to become something that is pleasing to God, we all of us have to realize my mission as a church, as a Christian, as a disciple, is so that none should perish. Can we say that together? That none should perish. Amen. As a church, if we forget this heart of God, this reason why we have time, Again, Jesus could come back tomorrow if he wants to, but the reason why he has allowed us, the reason why you're still breathing right now, it's because there's a mission to do that none should perish. As a church, everything we do and everything that we spend our effort on, if it doesn't lead towards people becoming saved, it's time for us to bring back our nets, check all the big holes we have, fix it together, and go back fishing into the world. Yeah, I think this is... Uh, previous version of PowerPoint, but it's okay. I think I got my point across. In this passage today, we're going to actually, yeah, David, there's a passage on 1 Corinthians uh, that I need to unload on there. Today, we're going to observe a communion. And I wanted to explain that this is an opportunity for us. Uh, in, in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 17, it says this, because there is one loaf, we who are many, we are one body. For we all share one loaf. The reason why Christ, when he commanded us to take and eat of his body, was to remind us two things. Number two, number one is this, that all of us together, we become the body of Christ. Christ never imagined individuals going into the world, becoming superheroes, super Christians who can do amazing things of God. That's nowhere in the Bible. But what he dreamed of is that when people with the same heart, come together and say, I'm going to become a fisher of men together with you, and we're going to go and make sure that none should perish. That is when the miracle of God happens. But the second thing is this. As we eat this bread and this, this, this cup of uh, the blood of Jesus Christ, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, he says this, for 26, verse 26 says, For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And there's something I realized, uh, you know, going back to this message that's so important is this. Many times we've done this before. We've come to Christ before. We've, we've taken of his body. We've been blessed. We've been loved by God so many times over and over. But when we proclaim the death of Christ, I realized something was missing in our daily life. Because, you know what, I need this. I need the body of Christ. I need the blood of Christ every day because I need the strength of God to live. But you know what was wrong? We know what was missing? I used to think, Lord, your death me thank you for saving me but when we proclaim together this death of christ and this blood that was shed you know what we have to remember we're proclaiming his death for the world we take his body in vain if all we do is we take his sacrifice and say mm, thank you for me again that is the will of god he loves you so much heaven is ready for you he wants to help you live the best life the fullest you can but then that's only half, right? The other half is now you can take his death into a world that needs to be free from the grip of the judgment against the unrighteousness in this world to come. We're disciples because we want to finish Christ's desire 
shall not you perish. Let's pray together as Preston comes up. Jesus, we want to be attentive to what you are doing and what you're thinking. And right now, the time, the, the, the opportunity, the moment of that where the whole world is looking for, where a new heaven and a new earth will come forth, and this broken, polluted, and messed up, and cursed, and demonic world that we live in, that, that's so painful so many times, you want it to end. But, Lord, there are precious souls, precious children, our own brothers and sisters who have not come to repentance yet, who have not come to see your precious love. And, Father, I want, I want to take that charge that it is my duty, it is our duty, all of us as a body of Christ, to finish this journey, to speed the coming of the Lord. Help us today, God, to make this step forward in our church, in our community, to do the will of God together for your name. Today, I wanted to do the communion this way. I wanted to give an opportunity uh, for people uh, who feel that, you know, for this community, you feel the Lord calling you to become a fisher of men. I want you to take a moment right now as you're praying, just Simply listen to the Lord. If the Lord's saying, Ingwan, if the Lord's calling your name and saying, I want you to be fisher of men for me. I want you to be an instrument for people to not perish, but to come to repentance and to know the Father, to know the kingdom of God that cannot be destroyed. That they don't have to be bound by the sinful nature. They don't have to live in stress and anxiety all their lives. But they can live in peace. They can live in generosity. They can live in hope and peace and joy and rest. I'm going to invite you to come forward in just a moment. But when you do, you what you're saying today is this. God, I believe that you have called me to become a, a maker of disciples. I want to see people transformed. I want to see, I want to work together. I want to become a, a thread. Just a single, I'm just a single thread. But Lord, would you knit us as a, as a community here to become those who save others. Those who raise up new disciples. Before you come forward, I am placing myself on this table too. I want to do it right. I want to begin in my own life to become a more faithful disciple maker. I want to give my life the way that Christ gave himself. In fact, he said he showed us how to love. And that love is the only way people will be delivered and not be perished. The only way we can become disciples is to learn to grow in that love, the same love that God showed us. And my invitation to you is that, is that you will come and join in this new desire to become disciples of Christ. So today, uh, of course, this call is for everyone. There's not one person here, you know, who is not uh, invited to become a follower of Jesus Christ. But, to, but today I want to do something different. I want to ask those who feel like they want to be committed to God, to become a, a part of a team, part of a community that makes disciples, that really takes discipleship and really takes answering God's desire that none should perish as the most important part of their life, I want you to come forward at this moment. To, to, to say more simply, if you believe that God is calling you 
to join his calling to become a team, a community of disciple makers, I want to invite you to come first uh, to receive the communion. So this is people that, you know, already are discipling. It doesn't matter. I'm just saying from this moment you are responding to God's call and you're saying, Lord, no longer is this communion for me, but it's for the world. If that is you, I want you to come forward. If you want to make disciples, come forward at this time. That before we do that, let's just uh, sing this song um, as a time to prepare our hearts. passion in my heart is stirring in my soul to see the nations by 